You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. You're listening to the E2C Network. Podcast by Auburn fans for Auburn fans. Hello and welcome to War Horses, the only college equestrian podcast that's willing to pour over archive stat sheets to let you know how much a mid-major team's third best horsemanship rider's graduation departure will impact their chances against some other team seven states away that you probably don't care about either. I'm your host, Auburn Elvis. Let's talk about some college equestrian. Welcome back, everybody, from the winter's break. I hope everyone had a nice holiday season. I hope everyone stayed safe, stayed warm, and that you are ready for the second half of the equestrian season to resume. We have a spring schedule to look forward to. No longer do we have to hunt down other teams' posters and parse through Big 12 schedule openings to try to find out Auburn's schedule. They just came out and told us what it was. So, here it is. To begin with, Auburn will be traveling out to Dallas, Texas, February 12th, to ride against Southern Methodist University. The next day, Auburn will bus on over to College Station, Texas, and we will ride against SEC foe Texas A&M University on February 13th. Then, the following week, Auburn will host... South Carolina here in Auburn on February 20th, and the following week we will host the University of Georgia in Auburn on February 27th. Then, the week after that, we will host a three-way meet with uh, Sweetbriar College and Lynchburg. Uh, Both of those will be on March 6th. So, that is our spring schedule. It's a little smaller than what we uh, become used to, but a lot of that is because of the COVID-19 restrictions. Um, there just isn't going to be as much time for travel and uh, whatnot. So this is the best we can do. Uh, we're happy to have it because, again, like we saw last year, uh, when things get pulled out from under you, you, you really become a lot more thankful for the little thing. So here are my impressions of the schedule. I'm not super thrilled with it, but I understand. A lot of things were outside of our control. I don't like starting off on the road against SMU. As I'll get to later, I think they're going to be strong this year. And I'd have liked to have had a meet against someone like UT Martin to get going up against uh, instead. Now, you'll remember that we flew out to California last January, and we had a tough time against Fresno State and UC Davis. If we struggle like that against SMU and Texas A&M, then we could lose one or both of those meets. Again, I would have liked a road trip to UT Martin in January to prep for that trip to Texas, but oh well. I'm okay with the finish, though. Aside from all being at home, um, it'll be nice to host South Carolina and then have that showdown with Georgia. The final tri-meet against a pair of jump-and-seat-only schools should be a nice, easy, casual way to close out the home season. After that, we prepare for the SEC tournament in late March and then the national championship in April. I might have liked a quick road trip somewhere in there at the end to prep for the postseason, but again, with COVID, you have to take what you can get. 
Now around the sport, almost every other team has released their spring schedules as well. And I won't go through all of those in detail, but I will say that while Auburn is waiting until the second week of February to resume riding, most of the other teams will begin their riding in January or the first week of February. The spring is going to kick off with South Dakota State and UT Martin visiting TCU and SMU for a pair of three-team meets January 28th through the 30th. So um, that'll be a big thing to keep an eye on. That same weekend, South Carolina will be hosting Lynchburg and Baylor is going to travel over to Texas A&M. So we're not going to have any Auburn victories to talk about, but I will probably check back with y'all just to give you an update on those meets and break down how they impact the overall equestrian season. But before we can talk about the new season, we have to talk about the off season. Now, I've already brought you up to speed on the four SEC teams, but I promised I would do the research and cover how the rest of the equestrian field changed over the last nine months as well. So first, let's talk about the Big 12. We'll start off with Oklahoma State. Now, they had a great 2019-2020 campaign, and it was cut one meet short. Cowgirls were all set to host Fresno State, and that meet was going to decide the Big 12 regular season champion. And then COVID happened, everything got canceled, so the Cowgirls were left at 9-3 and overall, 4-1 and in the conference. Uh, their typical starting lineup that year averaged about 10 points per meet, but roster attrition has cost them just under three points out of that 10-point total. So they're going to need to find those points from either their freshman class or some of those upperclassmen who didn't get a lot of starts last year. Now, I was able to dig up the Cowgirls' um, uh, black and orange scrimmage scores. So they had a lot of freshman uh, riding, which is really the point of the scrimmage, is to see how your new girls are going to do this year. But only two of them won their points, and that was because they were matched up against two other freshmen. So somebody was going to have to win, although, well, they could have tied and then nobody would have gotten a point. In fact, there was another freshman, Paige Jones, and she got a tie, so that's good for her. Nothing super impressive about that freshman class. Uh, Every single one of them went up against a uh, more experienced rider, and all of them pretty much fell short. Well, except for those two, those four girls that that were freshmen that went up against each other. So. So we don't have a lot of data about how well they're going to be. Um, they rode a lot of girls who don't get a lot of starts in the past. So a lot of what they do this year is going to depend on the lineup that Coach Sanchez uh, creates from those less experienced riders. Uh, with that roster changeover and a lack of a full season, I'm kind of expecting for the Cowgirls to drop off a little bit from last season's performance. So uh, at least in those early meets. So we'll see how that goes for them. The next team we'll talk about is Fresno State. Uh, They finished second in the Big 12 last year, and no team was hit harder by graduation than Fresno State. The Bulldogs had a real good year. Uh, They went 8-5 overall, 3-2 in the Big 12. They upset several good teams, and they played Auburn very closely. And if you'll recall, I pointed out numerous times that I felt Fresno State's success was due to their abundance of home meets. Well, this year, all of that flips. Because of COVID restrictions in their home state, the Bulldogs are going to face all of their Big 12 opponents on the road. That, coupled with losing so much senior talent, means they are probably going to have a very rough year. In fact, 
I'm not sure that they're even going to sweep nearby rival UC Davis. Uh, And they're actually going to face UC Davis four times this year just to have a a decent-sized schedule. Uh, If Fresno State can actually get more than four wins this season, I will be very impressed. Next up, uh, let's talk about TCU. Now, they had a decent but not a great season last year. Uh, they finished with a 6-7 and seven record overall, and they had a 2-4 and four record in the Big 12, and they tied for third place. The Horned Frog starters averaged about 10 points per meet, and they actually had an impressive 8.5 points when you looked at just how they did against SEC schools. Um, they lost a lot of senior talent uh, during the offseason. Uh, those seniors averaged about 4 points per meet, so that's a lot of points that they lost. But one thing that they did that was uh, pretty helpful or it's going to help them this year is they rode a bunch of different lineup combinations last season. So that means that their remaining roster actually has a lot more experience than what you would expect after losing so many of their starters from last year. So if they've been able to pick up a couple of good freshmen, then they could actually make some moves up the Big 12 standings this season. Uh, Their schedule is kind of set up for success, too. They have a pair of winnable meets versus South Dakota State and UT Martin to start off with, and then they have a big mid-Texas showdown with SMU before they get into conference play. So I really like their schedule, and I I think TCU is going to have a pretty good year. Next up in the Big 12, we have Baylor. Now, the Bears did not have a great 2019-2020 season. They tied for third in the uh, Big 12. They went 5-8 and eight overall and 2-4 and four in the Big 12. But there's still a fair amount to be excited about for Baylor. Now, they didn't lose that much scoring talent from their lineup last season. They averaged a little over 10 points per meet. And once you take away the graduation departures, Baylor still has about 8.5 points of production returning. And that's actually higher than any of their Big 12 counterparts in terms of returning talent. They'll start the season at Texas A&M, and I think the Bears will perform well in that one, possibly even get the upset. After that, they have two winnable Big 12 meets before hosting Oklahoma State. So we'll see if Baylor can get off to a hot start this spring. Now, in addition to the Big 12 and the SEC, we also have uh, teams that compete in the Eastern College Athletic Conference and the Old Dominion Athletic Conference. So we're going to talk through most of those uh, as well and just give you a quick rundown of how they are and what I expect out of them. Uh, First up is SMU. Now, they're in the uh, Eastern College Athletic Conference. Last season, SMU went 8-4 and and then 2-0 in conference play. They averaged about 11.5 points in their meets and just over nine points when they faced SEC teams. So that's pretty good. Uh, The Mustangs can be dangerous at home. Their biggest wins came at home, upsetting South Carolina and Oklahoma State. Now, they are led by a great horsemanship squad. They return all five of their horsemanship starters, each of which averaged at least half of a point versus their SEC uh, foes. So they're pretty good in horsemanship. Uh, Their next best unit is probably the reigning. They have some good riders there uh, that consistently deliver points. They lost one starter, but I bet they're going to be able to replace that. On the jumping seat side, they got a good fences team. Um, They lost their second best rider over there. Uh, When you get into the flat, they lost uh, a lot of talent on the flat, but um, that might not be too bad for SMU. So they did lose a fair amount of talent but they rode so many riders last year that they're in a pretty good position to reload. Um, And if they hit on a few of these new freshmen and they turn out to be really well, then SMU could actually shock a lot of people, Uh, uh, Auburn included. Auburn will need to be on upset alert when they travel to Dallas to start the spring season. 
Uh, next, we'll talk about UT Martin. Uh, this is a favorite of mine. I love going over there. They're cool. Uh, they're they're an easy team for us to beat. And it's just a nice little trip to go over there, get a, some road experience. Well, last season, UT Martin uh, went 3-8 and eight overall, 3-3 three and three in conference play. They averaged about five points per meet, so not real great. Their fences team is good. They get about a point a meet. Their flat team gets about a point and a half. And you know, they get about a point and a half in horsemanship and then a point from reigning. So that's kind of how their breakdown is. They're a good team to warm up against. <laughs> uh, Auburn will not be warming up against them this season, which is a shame uh, because I really like having that tune-up. Um, but I've talked about that, so we'll move on along. Uh, next up, South Dakota State. Now, they are an, uh, what is this, Eastern, an ECAC team. Uh, the Jackrabbits went 0-8 last season and 0-3 in conference play. They averaged about six points per meet, um, so, you know, they averaged more points per meet than UT Martin, but they weren't quite as good, and I think a lot of that is they really got pounded when they played some of the bigger schools. Uh, Horsemanship is probably their best event, but they lost one of their two really consistent scores from last year, so they're probably going to take a step back. Uh, Again, Auburn doesn't get to play them, but they start uh, against uh, TCU. And then they'll also have UT Martin. So we'll keep an eye on that. They've got a chance to maybe um, upset UT Martin. So we'll see how that goes. Another ECAC team is UC Davis. Now, the Mustangs had a pretty good year last year for being um, a relatively new program. They went 3-6 and six overall. They were 3-1 and one in conference. Uh, they averaged just over, or I'm sorry, just under 7 points per meet. Um, but they were really inconsistent last year. They would do well in one event one uh, week, and then that same event the next week they wouldn't do very well. So they're a young team, and you kind of expect that kind of a performance. Uh, they lost one of their best jumping seat riders, so that'll be tough to make up. That's about a half point they lose off of her right there. And they're not real great in horsemanship. They gave up a lot of points in that event. Um, they have some good reigning riders, though, so they, they we'll see how it all shakes out for them. But um, they, they had a decent year, and maybe they'll have a decent year this year. Um, they start off with two meets against Fresno State, and then they end with two meets against Fresno State. So those are neat bookends for them. So we'll see how the Mustangs do. Next up, we've got uh, Delaware State. They are another ECAC team. Uh, the, the Hornets went 4-4 uh, and four overall and 4-2 and two in the conference. They average about 7 points per meet overall, which is actually not, not bad. They're a pretty good little team. Uh, they get 1 or 2 points in every event, and they're a good test for the larger schools to see how good they really are. So, uh, unfortunately, Auburn does not play them this season, uh, but maybe, you know, we'll meet them in the playoffs or something. So. A uh, good little squad there, Delaware State. Next, Sweetbriar College. They are in the Old Dominion, Old Dominion Athletic Conference. Um, they only compete in the jump and seat events, so their numbers are going to seem a little low. Last season, uh, they went 4-6 and six overall and 4-1 and one in their conference. They averaged almost four points per meet, but again, this is only half of the events. So, you know, you're not looking at a full 20 points possible. You're only looking at 10. So they're just under half on that. And they go up against anybody. They'll they'll ride up against Auburn, Georgia, anybody. Uh, they are equally strong in both of the uh, jump and seat events. They average about two points in each, uh, and that's against you know anybody. Another team like that that only does the jump and seat is SUNY New Paltz. Um, they are an ECAC uh, team, and they only do the uh, two jump and seat events, just like Sweetbriar. 
Uh, they're about the same level of competitiveness as Sweetbriar. Um, SUNY finished last season with a 1-7 record. Their lone win came against Lynchburg. Uh, the Hawks' top rider was a senior last season, so unless she has another year of eligibility hiding somewhere, uh, they're probably going to struggle to keep up with their contemporaries. Um, one of those contemporaries is Lynchburg Hornets. Uh, they are an ODAC team, and like the previously mentioned teams, Lynchburg only rides that jump and see. Uh, ta- speaking of which, uh, you know, they did go 0-6 overall. They averaged uh, just under two points a meet, and that's, again, only half of the, those events. Um, it's still not great. They're a tad better in fences than they are on the flat, but again, all that's relative. Um, they will be riding against Auburn, like I said, at the end of the season. They and Sweetbriar are going to be our last meet uh, of the season as we prepare for the SEC tournament in March. And lastly, we have a brand new team adding NCEA Equestrian this season, the Wilson College Phoenixes. Uh, Wilson is a small Presbyterian liberal arts college in Chambersburg, Pennsylvania. They have about uh, 1,600 students. And they have been fielding an IHSA team for a little while now, um, and, but this will be their first year competing in the NCA. They are like Sweetbriar, SUNY, New Paltz, and Lynchburg. They only do the jump and seat events, um, and this is going to be their first year. Uh, Wilson has the distinction of being the only team in the NCEA that did not have any senior talent that they have to replace going into this year. So that's pretty much your scouting report on them. Next, we're going to talk about what does all this mean to impact the rankings. But before we do that, why don't we take a break here and y'all can listen to a cool little, uh, you know, word from our sponsor. Hey, Auburn fans, I want to take a quick time out from this episode to bring your attention to something very special. Here at the E2C Network, we pride ourselves on bringing you the best content for Auburn fans out there. And best of all, it's free to you. But just because it's free doesn't mean there aren't costs, especially when you have a library of hundreds of podcasts, videos, blogs, and more. Many of you have reached out and asked how you can support this network in the past. Well, now I have your answer. It's called the E2C Network Booster Club over at patreon.com E2C Network. There you'll find a membership monthly reward system where you can sign up for as little as $1 and get different perks at different tiers. Some of those perks include things such as apparel, eligibility to join us on future podcasts, recognition as an E2C network booster, exclusive communications, and bonus content that is available nowhere else. If you love this network and want to help us keep producing podcasts like this one, please head on over to patreon.com slash E2C network to join the E2C network booster club. You can also get there by going to our website, E2Cnetwork.com slash support. Whether you decide to join or not, we are still so appreciative that you would support us by just listening and being here because each and every one of you is part of our E2C network family. Well, that's it. Timeout's over. Let's get back into the episode. So that is our off-season rundown of all the non-SEC equestrian teams. And I guarantee you, you now know more about the relative competitiveness of the NCEA than 90% of equestrian fans, and probably quite a few of the people who do the official rankings. Now, speaking of the rankings, we're going to get into that. Um, But I want to point out that unlike the official NCEA rankings, which I think they do kind of a lazy job, actually, uh, my rankings are good. 
in the fall, I only ranked the teams that were actually competing. I don't think it's fair and certainly not statistically justifiable to rank teams that haven't ridden competitively in over nine months higher than teams that are actively competing and have been for the past four months. But with competition set to resume for pretty much all the NCAA teams, this is now the time to start including those additional teams. So here are the official Auburn Elvis rankings. At number one, we have the Auburn Tigers. No surprise here. Auburn is great. They are the reigning national champions for the past three years with a pair of unbeaten seasons in 2019 and 2020. Auburn is currently undefeated this season and lost a surprisingly low amount of starters from last year's squad. So that's why we have the Tigers number one. Next, at number two, we have the Texas A&M Aggies. Now this is a controversial ranking, but as longtime listeners will recall, I have been very impressed with the Aggies' talent these past two years, and although they share the same record with the other non-Auburn SEC teams, if a certain horsemanship starter had made the road trip to Bishop Georgia last semester, they would likely be 2-1 in SEC play instead of the reverse. Texas A&M didn't lose as much starting talent as Georgia or South Carolina, so they should have a strong campaign this season. At number three, we have the Georgia Bulldogs. Initially, I was very down on the Bulldogs. I kind of predicted they would lose every SEC this, uh, meet this fall, but they looked pretty strong against Auburn, and then they pulled off the win against Texas A&M. So while I'm really not quite ready to go all in on Georgia, I have to acknowledge their accomplishments so far. The Bulldogs have to replace a good deal of their talent from last season, but their early meet shows that they should manage quite well in that regard. At number four are the South Carolina Gamecocks. Now, the Gamecocks didn't look very good against Auburn or Texas A&M, but they shocked Georgia up in Blythewood to force that three-way tie for second in the SEC. The Gamecocks retained a solid core of talent from last season and should do well this season. Next, our number five team is our first non-SEC team in SMU. The Mustangs lost some of their starting talent last season, but they did an excellent job of shifting lineups to make sure that they would still retain a lot of experience this season. I expect that experience to make them a very strong team this year. At number six, we have the Oklahoma State Cowgirls. Unlike the official NCAA rankings, I'm a little unsure of just how great Oklahoma State will be this year. They had a good record last season, but a rather low amount of points production from their starters. I wasn't overly impressed with their freshman performances in their preseason scrimmage, so I'm taking a wait-and-see approach to the Cowgirls. And with a pair of meets against a decent TCU squad to start off their season, that wait should not be very long. At number 7, we have Baylor University. The Bears struggled at times last season, but they retain a lot of experience. Their only departures from last year were on the jumping seat side, so they'll look to lean on those veteran Western riders to make them into a contender this season. Baylor has a tough first meet against Texas A&M before getting into their conference season. At number 8 is TCU. The Horned Frogs probably feel like they should have done a little bit better last season, and they will look to make some noise in conference play. They lost a fair amount of starters, but the ones remaining are a pretty talented bunch. If they can add in a few good freshman riders, they should be able to improve on last year's third place finish in the Big 12. At number 9, we have Fresno State. 
The Bulldogs had a very successful season last year, proving to be almost unbeatable at home, but they lost an enormous amount of starting talent from last season, and with a very unconventional schedule due to COVID restrictions, Fresno State will almost certainly take a big step back this season. Their first two meets uh, against nearby UC Davis should tell us how well the Bulldogs are doing in their roster rebuild. And in our final spot, for number 10, we have Delaware State. The Hornets were a solid team last season, finishing behind UC Davis in conference play. But I am going to go ahead and give Delaware State the nod over UC Davis for this spot in the rankings right now. I think UC Davis lost a little bit more talent than the Mustangs did. I also think those Mustangs are going to do pretty well in their opening meet against UT Martin. Um, But since that meet isn't until the second week of February, I may move UC Davis into this spot if they look really strong against their uh, opponent, Fresno State, in those first two meets. So I'm kind of, I'm going to go ahead and just say Delaware State's number 10, but with the caveat that if UC Davis just comes out looking really good against Fresno State, I might swap those two teams. So. Ba-boom. That's how that goes. So that is the official Auburn Elvis rankings. Now, also, during this winter break, many of Auburn's riders were out winning awards and competing in individual tournaments and shows. Uh, But first, I want to recognize recent Auburn graduate and a guest on this show, Haley Pembroke. If it's Pembroke, don't fix it. Haley was awarded the Lee Rawls Atkins Award for Scholarship, Character, Leadership, and Athletic Accomplishments. If you recall from her interview with me, Kaylee is currently enrolled in a graduate program at Nebraska where she is combining a master's in business with a concentration in athletic administration. So congratulations, Haley. Now, on to the other awards and things. Outside of riding at Auburn, many of our riders take the time to compete in national and regional competitions. And recently, some of our Western riders competed in the 2020 Farnham American Quarter Horse Association World Championships in Oklahoma City. Now, another thing you may recall from that Haley Pembroke interview. If it's Pembroke, don't fix it. I don't really know the significance of a lot of these shows and things, so I'm not going to go into too much detail. So we'll just say that Olivia Tordoff, she rode really well out there. She won some stuff. And Deanna Green also won some stuff, something made of bronze or something. And she did some other stuff really well, too. Freshman Kate Buchanan was also out there in Oklahoma City, and she won some things as well. So there, that's your update on that. Over on the jumping seat side, Ava Stearns finished second in the uh, United States Equestrian Federation Talent Search Finals up in New Jersey. Oh, the Talent, uh, pardon me, the Talent Search Finals East. So I guess there's one for every compass point. Uh, Freshman Ailey Ferrigno was a reserve champion in something something in Ohio and a champion in some other category. She also was third in some competition that I do not recognize and a top 25 finish in the McClays finals. Now, I do recognize that name. That was one of the names that Haley Pembroke told me in the interview. If it's Pembroke, don't fix it. To look out for. Uh, freshman Grace Pearson was also at that thing in Ohio. She rode second in one thing and first in another, so haha to everyone that she beat in those. Um, we like seeing that. She also went over to Lexington, Kentucky for the National Horse Show and rode fifth in one part of that or something. Uh, we also have a recent signee uh, coming to Auburn. She did really well in a bunch of competitions. I have no idea what they are really, but she basically beat more people than beat her, so that makes me happy. 
Now, the SEC also gave some mid-season awards for Riders of the Fall, um, which is fall like in the calendar sense, not in, you know, falling off the horse. Uh, well, it couldn't be that because Michaela Langmire won one of them and she doesn't fall off a horse. So uh, she was the Rider of the Fall in Fences. Uh, Taylor St. Jacques was the same in Equitation on the Flat. And Olivia Tordoff won the award for Horsemanship. Now, there are four events, uh, but I guess the SEC didn't really want to give 75% of the awards away to just Auburn folks. So, in addition to South Carolina's Sloan Voigt getting uh, Rider of the Fall in reigning, the conference also gave Georgia's Isabel Heckler a Rider of the Fall award on the flat, and Texas A&M's Haley Riddle got the award in horsemanship. I kind of think the conference really wanted each team to get some award for the fall, so they just doubled up a few of them and, you know, gave Georgia and Texas A&M something. So, well, that's how it goes sometimes. So, that is a pretty good rundown of a lot of stuff that's been happening over the winter. Uh, We went through and, you know, kind of looked at all these teams and kind of told you what to expect, so gave you the rankings there. Like I said, once competition resumes, we're going to take a look at each of those, how they panned out, and what effect that would have on the rankings, so I may be changing the rankings next time. But, in general, we're just happy to get things back going again. We're happy that we're actually doing competitions again so that we can hopefully go towards another national championship. This has been another episode of War Horses. I am your host, Auburn Elvis. Thank you very much for listening. War Eagle and War Horses. Before you get out of here, we want to remind you of a couple of things. Head over to E2Cnetwork.com, our website where you can find everything that you'll ever need from us, podcasts, blogs, and even ways to help support the show. If you want to find individual episodes, you can download all of these on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Play. So until we see you again, I want to remind you of one thing, that here at the network, we believe in Auburn and love it. The only question remains, do you? Do you?